0: Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman Podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either, but in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman Podcast Studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of The Rural Woman Podcast get ad-free episodes starting at Tier 5 on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon. Welcome to The Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more. To share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, we're catching up with my dear friend, Annabelle Morgan. Annabelle and her family produce pastured raised commercial beef and replacement heifers on their fifth generation ranch in beautiful Gallatin County, Montana. Today, Annabelle shares with us the unexpected news that her family received that not only put their plans on hold, but life into perspective. Her best friend, her husband Zaid, was diagnosed with advanced stages of cancer. Annabelle shares how they handled the diagnosis, navigated treatment as a family, and what she wants every farmer and rancher to know about being prepared for a critical illness in their business. I am so very honored that Annabelle has come back onto the podcast to share this story with us all. This is something that we have been chatting about for a while about sharing on the podcast as this is a topic that I think will pull at many people's heartstrings, but as well, hopefully start the conversations around the dinner table the conversations that we don't necessarily want to have, but are important to make plans for in case of a diagnosis happening to a family member of yours. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge and send my love to the Morgan family, as they have recently had an incredible loss within their family. My heart goes out to you, Annabelle and Zaid and the girls. To my friend, thank you for continuing to show up and be seen and to be vulnerable and to continue to share your story. I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Annabelle. Your Majesty, Royal Highness of Montana, Annabelle Morgan, how the heck are you?
1: I'm glad how are you. I appreciate that you are finally recognizing how I like to
0: be addressed. I can see the shimmering of your crown all the way here in Alberta. So it is just something that had to be done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad, and it's about time. It's taken two years, but here we are, folks. So <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Rural Woman Podcast. I am so excited to have you here and catch up with you. The last time we spoke here on this podcast to interview your highness was back in July 2019 in the luxurious Super 8 Motel in Bozeman, Montana.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot that. We were together.
0: (laughs) Yes, it was a face-to-face interview, my very first one. And I will always lovingly remember that time with you. And I can't even believe to say this number. It was back on episode 20 of the podcast. Wow. It's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. So catch us up. What has been happening? We have lived through... So many things in the last two years. So catch us up on what has been happening in life and on the ranch.
1: So the ranch is good. It's been, you know, obviously we had COVID and a cattle market crash and pretty extreme drought. So that was tough and continues to be tough. But we are holding on. We had to sell about 100 head of cattle because of lack of feed for the winter because our hay crop was down so much this year. And so that's pretty tough, especially after a big crash the year before. But we're so lucky, you know, we inherited this ranch. So it's not like we have to make a monthly payment to keep it going. So we understand how lucky we are and there's so many people who aren't in the same position as us. So it is just part of ranching. We're, we're here. But on top of that, right in the middle of, COVID, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. So that has been very difficult. Yes.
0: And that is something that you are graciously willing to share with me and the audience. And I just want to take a minute before we dive into more questions and say thank you, because I think what you've been through has been extremely difficult on top of what the world has been going through, which is extremely difficult. So thank you for being open to sharing this story with us. And thank you to Zaid, your husband, for, you know, being happy or being okay with everybody hearing his story too. (laughs) I would interview him, but I'm sure he understands that we don't do that here. So (laughs) yeah,
1: no boys allowed,
0: no boys allowed. So take us back to, I guess, 2020 And kind of the journey up to Zaid being diagnosed with cancer.
1: Yeah, so we were in the fall of 2019, right? Yeah. And my husband has horrible allergies and goes into anaphylactic shock several times a year. We still don't actually know exactly why. We think it's pollen on food. And then he goes into anaphylactic shock. But he complained that his ear was hurting all fall. But as we know, COVID was ramping up and he avoided the emergency room because we didn't want to get COVID. This was pre-getting a jab and all those things. So we waited months. And finally, you know, as you know, because you're my friend and I didn't talk to it about it with a lot of people, but I knew something was wrong. And had shared that with you. We knew something was wrong. Anyway, he finally went in January. We were snuck in because of a favor from a family member that's a doctor to an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he did an endoscopy and said, I'm afraid that you have cancer. Right away, he knew what it looked like. My husband previously smoked and chewed, as cowboys do and cowgirls, (laughs) unfortunately, And he does not any longer, but he was diagnosed with non-HPV squamous cell carcinoma, which is HPV, as we know, is a virus. And it's very common to get oral and esophageal cancers from. But he does not have HPV. This was most likely from smoking. So and genetic. Genetics play a big, big role. So there we were.
0: I can remember speaking to you around the holidays in 2020, going into 2021, and just knowing how scared you both were. And gosh, it it was scary in so many ways. And then once you got the diagnosis, boy, it was a lot. But take us through once you got this diagnosis and f- found out what was wrong, what was the next plan of action for you and your family? Yeah.
1: So there is no way to describe the terror that that time caused and I wasn't prepared for it. I've had people in my family have cancer before, you know, the cancer rate nearly 40% now of the population. So this is not something that just happened to us. (laughs) This happens every day, but it is amazing what it does when your partner faces their demise and it's not something I was prepared for. And then on top of it, adding the fact that we're ranchers. So this happened in January and we live in rural Montana. We do have a good hospital and we loved how they treated us and all those things, but it was decided because my husband is so young and it's so uncommon for his age to be that advanced in a cancer that he should go to a university hospital. So we had to rent an apartment in Seattle and he decided to do his treatment there. And as most people know who follow me, we have young kids and we have a ranch and it was calving and I had to stay here. I couldn't go with him. And that was devastating. And it's the unknown and the waiting, which is so hard And that's kind of why I was willing to talk about it, too, is because I think we have a tendency in agriculture to be a bit unprepared. And there's many different reasons why we're so busy, finances, all of those things. And do you have a plan if your spouse is diagnosed with a deadly disease? Do you have a plan if they can't be at home working on the farm? And we didn't really. And so, you know, because you are my friend and we talk regularly that I went through calving. Uh, We have a hired guy that was here during the day, a few days a week, but pretty much calving by myself and taking care of the kids. And uh, there were a lot of tears in the middle of the pasture with a cow trying to kill me. And my husband did his treatment. He had 33 rounds of radiation. And then he had one of the most powerful chemo treatments, and they did four of those. And so in between on the weekends, he would get two days off and he would fly home. So, you know, in life, I would like to see now more support for people in agriculture who are faced with this,
0: because we didn't know what to do. Right. Well, and there, there's no rule book, right? Like, I don't think you are ever ready or prepared for something like this to happen to you, ever no, and you're just not prepared. And I think people need to be prepared because
1: the cancer rate is so high, or other things, accidents that can happen on the ranch or farm. They happen all the time, and then you're left. And I think it's important to talk about a plan with your spouse. And it's hard. It's hard to say what happens
0: if this happens to me tomorrow. You know, right? So. My question for you about that is looking back now, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but looking back now, how do you think that you and Zaid could have better prepared the business for this?
1: So little things that you wouldn't think of, but how to operate every piece of machinery on the place, I should know how to do. There are things that I don't do on a regular basis. So I was sort of left high and dry. Having obviously a some sort of support system, we don't quite, I have great friends and family, but they don't necessarily know how to ranch, um, including some of his family members. So just having a plan of somebody that you know, you can call if you need it. And also we're very lucky financially, as I've said, we could afford to rent an apartment in Seattle. But an emergency fund, I encourage everybody to have, and I know it's hard sometimes when you don't have a lot of money, but even if you can put 20 bucks in here and there for plane tickets or hotel rooms or the bills that build up when you're not both taking care of things, that's I would have done that differently. And then also the biggest lesson that I've learned is if something in your body feels different or off, no matter what's happening in the world, pandemic, you know, whatever it may be. We're lucky we have health care. But if you don't have health care, find a way to have a doctor look at you. Because if we had taken him in six months earlier, it would have been a different story as far as how it had spread. So
0: Right. And I think, you know, those are all good pieces of advice for anyone and it doesn't matter if you're a farming family or not. These are things that I think as adult human beings, we should all be thinking about. And I know it's super easy to look past it all because you think this will never happen to me or I feel fine. I feel healthy, but you know, Zaid had an earache and look what it turned out to be. Yep.
2: If you are selling a
1: product or a service off of your farm, you need to take this course.
0: <laughs> this is probably the best investment that they can make in themselves and their business. For for how much information is packed in, in the amount of time, and the fact that you have access to it, you can go back to it. And you wanted to learn this from someone, but I wanted to learn it from the right person. And, and Kelsey understands the nuances of farming and what that
2: kind of business is. Hi guys, my name is Kelsey Jorson Olson. I am the farmer and marketer behind the Cultivating Capital course. My husband and I run Greenwall Homestead, an 80-acre farm in northwest Wisconsin, where we grow various produce, raise pastured hens and goats, and create shippable value-added products, and have made our farm profitable through online marketing. I developed and created this course to help other farmers, homesteaders, and home business owners learn how to use online marketing to grow their business's customer base. Having these
0: resources at your fingertips has just been a game changer for me.
2: The value that is offered is
0: priceless. And the commitment that Kelsey has to her students through this course isn't like any other online course that I've taken. Don't wait, don't wait till next year get it it's great
2: when you pre-order the course before december 10th you get 100 dollars off the full price to learn more click the link in the show notes let's make 2022 your farm's most profitable year yet
0: we had mentioned i guess earlier before about zade's age would you mind zade is quite young
1: yep 42 yeah and so that's why, hey, you know, when he was diagnosed, he obviously felt extremely guilty and said, I did this to myself. I did this to my family because he was a smoker and chewer. And I call it, it's, it is part of a little bit cowboy culture to have Copenhagen in your mouth. And it's no excuse, but, you know, I think he grew up sort of that way. It's like the Marlboro man look, but we have been told, Over and over again, while it definitely is a factor, his genetics are why he got it so early and would most likely have had it no matter what he was doing to his body.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, the cancer rate is 40%, like you said. And to me, that number is huge. And, you know, you think about your family history and all of the things, there's so many factors that go into illness, but I am. I'm so happy that you are sharing this story. And that seems weird to say that I'm happy that you're sharing the story about your husband and his cancer and his treatment. But like you said, and you know, we've, we've been talking about doing this interview for a really long time because of knowing the importance of, of your health and knowing that if something feels off to go get it checked out as soon as you can, having a backup plan, if something happens that you know, you or your partner can't be on the farm to be doing what they're doing. Like you said, learning how to run the equipment and not having to do it every day because it's not your responsibility to do it every day, but just having the basic knowledge that even if you can't physically run it yourself, if you're able to ask your support team to be able to come and help and be able to show them how to do it is is important. Right. Right. And, you know, like I think we can all get carried away and, you know, go down the rabbit hole of thinking the worst of everything and like what happens if this happens and what happens if this happens. But, you know, coming back to, you know, present tense and knowing that everyone's fine and everything's healthy, but having that plan just in case they're not.
1: Right. And, you know, another thing, too, that I've learned and so the minute he's diagnosed, And we started telling people the first thing that happens, I think, and it's probably with everything. It's like the day that you get pregnant, you start getting unsolicited advice. And it was excruciating, especially he needs to change his diet. He needs to stop doing this. You need to drive a different car. I'm telling you, it was a million different things. And I became extremely anxious to an unmanageable point. And I've never been that. I'm always anxious, as you know it's something I've dealt with my whole life, but this was extreme. And I had to be honest with my husband and my family that this is too much for me. And I had to get some help and get on an anti-anxiety medicine pretty early on because I wasn't able to just function in everyday life. And I'm not blaming it on other people. It was the situation. But what's thrown at you when you're dealing with something like this was just too much for me to handle. And I remember my husband just saying, you know, if this had come up 10 years ago, I don't see you saying, okay, I need some help. And he was was really proud that I was able to say this was too much for me. So that helped a lot.
0: I'm proud of you for getting the help that you needed and that you deserved during that time. And whether that was, you know, through a doctor or a counselor or asking your friends or family for help, because I know that's hard for people sometimes too. Taking care of yourself as well as Zaid and the rest of your family during that time, you know, is just equally as important, I think. And that is something I think people will need to add to their list To What is their plan for the person who is supporting their partner? How are they going to get the help they need? How are they going to take care of themselves?
1: Right. And I was never prepared to be, it's hard to be a caregiver. And, you know, there were some factors that, for instance, my husband had to have a feeding tube because they were doing radiation on his neck. And so we had to tube feed him. And that was scary and unknown. And also something that I wasn't prepared for. And honestly, I would go online to hear, to find survivor stories. I didn't Google too much because I know that's bad, but I, I needed to hear survivor stories. But something I felt like wasn't talked about is sort of the intimate level of what it's like for your partner. Probably child is similar to have cancer because we are so physical with the people that are really close to us. So my husband and I are obviously physically intimate and, Touch every day, and I am like really responsive to smell, so I always like to breathe him in. And with a rancher, sometimes that's a dangerous trait because he can be smelly at times. But <laughs> all those things are changing when you're going through chemo. Hair is falling out, you smell different, your mood is different, your body functions are different, and all of a sudden, this person that's strong and capable is weak. And can't feed himself and can't do the things on the ranch he used to do. It was so hard to see. And I wasn't prepared for it. And, you know, I feel really lucky that we are in a marable position that we're in, which is strong and fairly healthy, I think. I mean, we have our moments. But... That's another thing to talk about, too. If you're unhappy in your relationship, that life is short, you know, and this could hit any time, and you might have to care give for somebody. And so sorting out that part of your life, too, is important, I think, because they could be hit by a tractor one day and be paralyzed, and they might be dependent on you for the rest of your life. So you have to have a strong friendship to get through that, because it was tough, really tough. And it's tough to see this person
0: wilt away in front of you. Right. Those are all incredible points. And like you said, I don't think they're talked about enough in a public setting for others to hear. You can have these conversations with your family and your friends and your, your friends that you meet online and all of those things, but talking about them open and publicly, because I'm sure there are people listening to this that have gone through similar things in their life and can be you know, that they're relating to you in this way. So again, like, I can't thank you enough for sharing all of those intimate details about you and Zaid specifically and his treatment. And, you know, you did a really great job of sharing the story online to your friends and your followers. And I really hope, you know, it's my hope, and I know it's yours too, that we're People to make these plans as best as you possibly can to have something in place in case something like an illness or an accident happens on your farm. You know, we talk about safety precautions beforehand of things that you could have done differently and all of those things. But let's talk about what happens afterwards. Cause I think those are the things that need to be focused on more than preventative measures all of the time. Like it's great to be as safe as you possibly can. But again, there are things like cancer that can be genetic that that's the hand that you're dealt so how do you deal with it and I think you and Zaid have done such an incredible job of playing the hand that you've been dealt
1: He's much better at it than I am I get a little cranky <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well I'm not surprised by that
1: <laughs> Our journey isn't over you know we're not we're not out of the woods just yeah. yet but so far he's been things have been going well and as you've known but maybe the listeners don't there have been scary moments Just recently he had a scan and it showed something on the other side and there were days of just absolute agony but it turned out to just be some swollen lymph nodes from something not related to cancer so yeah we'll still go through agony he continues to go back to Seattle for checks and we will for a long time there's a good chance it'll come back but we're keeping a close eye. For now, it's looking good.
0: Good. And how is life on the ranch today versus where it was two years ago and how you guys are working together on the ranch?
1: You know, it took a blow because things just were put off for the last year and he's catching up and he's not as strong as he used to be. And things were put behind that generally aren't. So that's been really tough to catch up too. You know, there was just stuff I couldn't do and take care of the kids. And so we're playing catch up now, but we're getting there and we are better prepared now if he needs to go back. And another thing I wanted to add to, which is important to I me, mean, I think I've talked to you about this, but a lot of your listeners and a lot of people in agriculture are in rural areas. And statistically, we I love statistics, that's how I operate, just because It comforts me to know where I stand, but people who go through cancer or severe accidents have a much better chance of survival if they are in a urban area for their treatment. There's many different reasons why. A lot has to do with funding, so I just highly encourage people if they do find themselves in a similar position to seek second opinion in areas that might experience what they're going through more often. And I'm always open to having people message me and reach out if they find themselves in a similar position.
0: Well, it's just interesting, right? To know the different resources that are around you and being aware of those resources in case you do need them whether that's your physical or your mental health, knowing what's available to you and knowing that there are people out there that have resources for you that are willing to share them uh, is always something that's super helpful. So thank you for always being such an open book with us all.
1: And you know, I have one little thing too is just you as a friend, you guys all got together and sent us this incredible gift card for meals that we could order and pick up. And I don't know if anybody ever goes through cancer again. I'm telling you, it was the best thing that happened to us because my husband couldn't eat, but I still had to feed my kids. And it was so convenient. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable when somebody shows up on your porch with a casserole. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, we just didn't really want to see people. And we, you know, was kind of funny about food in our house. Everybody's, you know, kids, whatever. Some kids are picky, and my husband has weird allergies. So it was such a treat to be able to not even have to think about it. And I appreciate that gesture so much. And in the future, that is a great thing to recommend for people to do because it was the best.
0: Well, that was honestly the least that myself and our friend Julia Wells could think of doing. Because if, you know, there wasn't thousands of miles between us or a border closed, uh, I probably would have been that person awkwardly standing there with a casserole.
1: (laughs) Well, I would have accepted yours, but you know how it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't have minded you being here. But you know when you don't feel well and like, I don't know, sometimes you don't want to see people. That's kind of where he was. And we had COVID too. So it's like you had to grill everybody. Have you been vaccinated? Are you wearing a mask? Have you washed your hands? (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Just adds extra layers of complexity into welcoming, you know, people to your home with a casserole full of cheese. So.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Annabelle, is there anything that you wanted to share with the listeners that I have not asked you?
1: No, just that one part, if you're in a rural area. And again, anytime, if anybody sees themselves in a position that seems hard, or I'm open anytime to talk about it or cancer, if people have more questions, you know, I sometimes you miss stuff. I don't know if there's we're like burningly wanting to know I had a great question from somebody whose husband was diagnosed with cancer and she was I mean this is not close little ears but she was kind of like can you still do it when you're going through cancer treatment and it's like she didn't know and she was scared to ask her doctor and I just stuff like that I'm always here to help because I know how important it is to ask those hard questions you know
0: well, and to have somebody that's open and willing to talk about those things with you, there are sometimes people that are in your personal life that would like basically slam the door in your face if you ever asked them that over coffee on a Sunday afternoon. So <laughs> Right.
1: <laughs> well, you know me, I'm willing to talk about anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Annabelle's going to be starting an OnlyFans page for cancer questions. <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh, that's actually not a bad idea. Sex during cancer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Put it on the list of the next Uh. business ventures for Annabelle Morgan.
1: (laughs) What do you do with the feeding tube while... Never mind. Okay, we can shave this for a different website.
0: Yes, we can. (laughs) Another conversation for a different website. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, friend. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online?
1: I have one spot only, and that is Montana Ranch Wife, and that's on Instagram.
0: Perfect. And that link will be in the show notes for the few people who are listening to this who do not already follow you. (laughs) Come on now,
1: I'm famous. Everybody knows who
0: I am. You are a farm dashian for sure. The, The
1: original. (laughs)
0: thank you thanks for listening to the rural woman podcast a special thanks to our patreon executive producer Sarah Readner of happiness by the acre and to my editor Max Hofer for show notes head on over to wildrosefarmer.com you can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time. Caitlin Dubin, the host of the Rural Woman Podcast, and Bev Ross, host of the Joy Farmer Podcast, have teamed up to create positively farming media.
2: Positively Farming Media is a podcast hub that connects and cultivates growth-oriented farm and food storytellers. We host
0: a mastermind mentoring group that fosters connection and collaboration between podcasters so you no longer have to produce your show within a silo.
2: Each month in our member-only online community, new learning modules are released that are designed to increase your show's quality, listenership, and advertising opportunities.
0: When you join today, you'll have access to the current month's modules and our previously released modules, so you can start growing your show right away.
2: Learn more and start building connections to fellow podcasters in the food and agriculture space at PositivelyFarmingMedia.com.